so much history in the story, yeah. you know, and uh, I, I do pray that you'd have a heart like them. You know, when Mordecai, after all this happened, you know, his response is, we have got to set this day aside forever mm-hmm. and celebrate it. And, and, you know, if there wasn't that passion in the heart of him, it's really, you know, as, as great as Esther's part is, Mordecai is really the oh, yeah. central figure in this because Absolutely. he... He stops and says, you know, it's going to take everyone. It's going to take all of us. And she recognizes that, too. So we've got to fast. We've got to pray. And and in the end of all of this, they, you know, he comes to this realization to say, listen, we're going to set these sides, this day aside for celebration and for giving. And so it's this tradition of giving and giving and giving. So that's why, you know, when we come to Purim, not only do I love to share and teach on it, but to, to give you that opportunity to give because mm-hmm. I... You know, I, I think it's a special, special time of the year. Yeah. And we just had that song about mansions. And, you know, we think about heaven. We get our thoughts there. But if you jump into where this story comes from, which is Revelation 19 in terms of the end times, and read 20 and 21, you'll see it's actually there, but it's on a new earth. Yeah. That God's making new heavens and earth. And so sometimes even just these thoughts that we get in our head, you know, you take that, put it back into the scripture and you go, oh, and it can, you know, just kind of lay things out and get you kind of prepared. So God's got a plan. God has got a plan for you, for your life, for your blessing, for your favor yeah. on you. And we get to be a part of that. So we're going to continue talking the story because it's your story, too. If you love Jesus, if you're seeking to follow him, then this is your story, too. Now, we've gone a long way in history. We're breaking down the story of Purim. We're in Persia. It's 500 years before the time of Jesus now. And the Persian king, Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, I'm going to go with Xerxes because Ahasuerus is easier. so much harder to work. <laughs> but Xerxes is back home. Now, remember, there's two different battles going on. The first battle, he's victorious in this campaign again in revolts in Egypt. So this is this is now. He's hosting the six-month feast to honor his armies and the leaders of his massive kingdom. He hasn't gone to Greece yet. This is right after Egypt. His queen's name is Vashti. Mm-hmm. Now, she's the great-granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar, who destroyed the first temple, just for historical parts. Now, Xerxes drank way too much, and his leaders began to beg him to order this beautiful queen, Vashti, to parade herself in front of everyone, wearing only her crown. So, you know, the Bible only kind of lays things out in a, a little bit of it, but she refused, and according to Scripture, was banished. Ancient Jewish sources claim that she was actually executed, but you know, that's, again, once that's once maybe what happened, one's what the Bible says. So we're going to go that way. But either way, since Xerxes is the groom in the Purim story, and you know the background, you got to wonder what it was like for Esther to be married to this guy. Since he now needed a new queen, this king ordered that every young woman, every young woman in this massive kingdom be prepared and brought before him so he could choose a replacement for Vashti. And, of course, no woman could refuse him. So, this is, again, this is going to be a time when he goes away to war and comes back, but over the next four years is how this how long it takes to go through all of these women to find a queen for him. So, while Xerxes marched his armies against Greece, more than 1,400 girls were brought to the palace to live while going through this in-depth preparation so the king could choose his potential queen. And that's when we meet the beautiful orphan girl, Hadassah, who lived among the exiles from Judah. They didn't go home when they had the chance, and so now she's this next generation. When her parents died, she's adopted by her uncle Mordecai. 
and she grew up in his home as if she was his own daughter. So for all practical purposes, he's her father. During the 10th month of the year, it's called Tevet, she was brought to the palace to live with all the other girls, but Mordecai told her not to reveal that she was Jewish, but instead to use her Persian name, Esther. Now, this is going to be a big part of the story. Mordecai, also a big part of the story. We meet him in Esther 2. There was a Yehudi, or a Jewish man, in Shushan, the capital. His name was Mordecai, son of Yer, son of Shimli, son of Kish, a Benjamite. Now, I know that's a lot of names to throw at you, but remember all those because it's important. Mordecai is referred to here as a Jew. Now, in fact, he is the first person in history to be called a Jew. And it's rather interesting because before then, Jews were called Hebrews or Israelis or Mm -hmm. Israelites. What's interesting is that though Mordecai was a Benjaminite, he's from the tribe of Benjamin, but he's called a Yehudi or a Jew, which literally means, you know, that's why it sounds that way, he's a descendant of the tribe of Yehuda or Judah. So all of a sudden, for the first time in history, (laughs) you have this guy who's not from Judah, who's called a Jew. So throughout the Megillah, the book of Esther, the entire Jewish people, regardless of their tribe, for the first time are called Yehudim. So the word begins to take on a new meaning, much more important than their individual tribes. (laughs) More united than ever because of outside sources. It it is kind of weird, right? (laughs) The root word that Yehudi comes from means to acknowledge and to accept. So it seems like all 12 tribes are now one people, the people of the Torah, the law, and this first happens in this, what's called the Megillah or the book of Esther. As for Hadassah, Esther, Hadassah is Hebrew for myrtle, like the tree. Esther is a Persian name that relates to the morning star. In Hebrew, it's associated with the word for hidden, so it's kind of a theme of the story. She concealed her mm-hmm. identity, God's yeah. intervention was hidden throughout the events, he's not even mentioned. Esther has been taken to the palace to live with all the other girls for an entire year because they had to receive these beauty treatments before they could even be brought before the king. <laughs> and it says the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won his favor. So she beats out 1,400 other women. So the beautiful young Jewish orphan becomes the new queen of Persia. And, of course, we've talked about who he is, and so it's like, well, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well... Let's not forget Mordecai. He's a big part of the story. He was a protective father and would come to the palace daily to check on her. One day, he's sitting at the king's gate overheard a conversation between two of the king's attendants. They're plotting, like so many people across his kingdom for you know, centuries, they're plotting to poison the king. Now, remember, Persia is forever filled with this kind of revolt, so... It's a significant thing that Mordecai tells Esther, who tells the king, and the coup is thwarted. The plotters were hanged. It's recorded in the Royal Book of Chronicles that Mordecai had saved the king's life. Right. Now, of course, there's so many plots that it kind of gets forgotten. But when we come back, we'll, we'll continue with that journey. Wow. Love peeling back the layers of this story.